Before we dive into this podcast, I want to take a moment to guide you through some breath work. Now, the reason I want to start with this is that breath work has a powerful ability to allow us to have clarity of thought and to allow our nervous systems to go into a state of relaxation, which will allow us to focus better on what we're taking in from our environment. So start with me here. I want you to take a deep breath through your nose and then another deep breath through your nose while holding that. And then slowly exhale through your mouth. Let's do that again. So two deep inhales through your nose. Slow exhale through your mouth. One last time, two two deep inhales through your nose. One slow exhale through your mouth. Thank you for joining this in breathwork practice, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Rewiring Health. This podcast is for those of you who have an eating disorder, chronic pain, or both. In this channel, we'll dive deep into inspirational stories of those who have healed from both and also get into the mind-body connection and how we can heal the mind through the body and also heal the body through the mind. Come and join me on this journey. All right. So welcome again back to Rewiring Health. And I'm so excited to be joined by Martina Gallo. She is an aspiring wellness coach and um, she has an amazing story and we're going to jump right into it today. And I can't wait to hear everything that you have to share. So welcome. Hi. Hi, Kelly. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I wanted, like, I waited for this morning so much, so long. And yeah, I'm so ready about it. And I'm so excited to chat with you. Yes, yes. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing some of what you have to share and, and, and hear your story. So let's jump right into that. Do you mind just sharing your story, kind of like where you came from and what kind of brought you to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, uh, well, first of all, I am, yeah, as you said, Martina, I'm 24 years old. And basically, I've struggled with eating disorders for over a decade. And so my history with eating disorders uh, began at the age at, at at the age of 13, basically, yeah, 13 or 14. And uh, before basically being aware of my of my body, of my presence in the world in general, I was a really like playful and carefree child. Um, I didn't really pay attention to how I looked. And, uh, you know, I I would have fun with the smallest things and with uh, with everyone basically uh, I was definitely not the skinniest girl of the world I was definitely you know a little bit chubby but like in a nice way in a positive way not like in a ch- chubby like as uh, I was unhealthy and that's like a very important point because uh, being chubby being a little bit you know bigger than uh, the girls that are around you doesn't mean that you are not healthy and um, this was basically one of the first lessons that I basically understood when I recovered because uh, people would always 
tell me that I was not healthy because of my body. And this was starting with my uh, pediatrician, with my parents, with uh, relatives, a lot of relatives of mine, a lot of, you know, my aunts, my, my uncles, they will always, you know, uh, pick my, my physical appearance as something, you know, to be, to be, I don't know, like to be scared, not scared of, sorry, but to be concerned about, yeah, as if it was something that was affecting my health. And, you know, people, you know, will start telling me this. Also, like my friends will tell me this. And, you know, this kind of uh, got inside my mind and thought, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe I'm not healthy and I'm not worthy of love because basically when you when you are so young you kind of um mix being like a good person with looking good i don't know if if it makes sense you know like uh because you know you don't have like this huge uh, self Mm -hmm. inside of you you don't have this sense of self that is strong that is powerful you are basically um just what other people are telling you so if people are telling you you are ugly you are fat and you are this and you are that you become that because you don't have like a huge sense of self and so you know people will always tell me you know we have to go we we have to get rid of that fatness we have to um, lose some weight we have to do some more physical exercise and I started to believe those things and um, you know these episodes had such an impact on myself that I actually still remember those episodes like they are still clear in my mind and they are so like as if they happened yesterday and that tells uh, like that explains how your mind is able to uh, store things if they have been painful for you um so also like um you know you you also deal with um the pain like how your body remembers the pain and you know it's it's also it's also connected because also your mind knows how to store pain and probably um the most painful things are the the things that your brain remembers the most instead of, well, the most, uh, the happiest moments of your life, which are always less than the most painful ones. I don't know if you can relate to this. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, we are always so ready to remember the painful stuff and not the the happiest stuff. But um, let's get back to what I was saying. So basically, um, thanks to, well, thanks. so these people, yeah, would tell me all of that. And also, well, it, it was, I can not tell, I cannot say that it was uh, only due to what they told me because I was obviously like a very vulnerable and a very, um, let's say weak, but not in a negative um, connotation. 
yeah, I, I, I was like a weak girl. I was not very strong. I didn't have like a very um, strong attitude towards life. And this is also due to uh, how my parents, um, uh, you know, brought me because I've been brought by two parents that are, let's say I've been brought in a dysfunctional family. And I think this is also like a very common trait uh, in eating disorder sufferers because um, basically it all comes down to uh, how like you know the, the surroundings you know of your childhood of your young adult like this the adolescence uh, yeah the period of adolescence so it's not only uh, about you uh, but it's about the world that surrounds you and so basically um, yeah I had I, I always say that I started to develop like a second brain, which is the toxic brain of the eating disorder. And I, I think you know <laughs> even better than me what I'm talking about, uh, which I called Ursula, which is the villain of the of the Little Mermaid. I don't, I don't know if you Ursula, remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, I, I started to develop this second uh, second toxic brain which, you know, day by day, week, week by week, and year by year became stronger and stronger. And um, she will tell me, you know, if you lose weight, you're going to be loved. You're going to be worthy of respect. You're going to be, um, everyone will like you. Um, the, yeah, so the more you will look pleasant like you will look uh, you will be pleasant looking and you will be look good looking and you will be in a lean body um as skinny as you can get that will be the moment where you can be loved and um deserving deserving of love basically so that was my my worst you know the the worst point of my the, the lowest point of my life and i think a lot of eating disorders, uh, sorry, uh, eating disorders, yeah, uh, sufferers can relate to this point, especially if they are already, uh, if they're already recovered. And I think maybe you can relate to, to what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, all of the things that um, come from an eating disorder, so um, working like ex compulsively and excessively working out, um, obsessively counting calories, uh, obsessively body checking, all of that stuff, uh, that was me. <laughs> and um, the thing is that the, what's funny, let's say funny, but uh, it's, not, it's not funny, but what's interesting, let's say, is that really nobody was able to uh, say that I was, that I was ill, mm. you know, yeah. because yeah, because actually you start this journey because you think it's healthy for you, but actually it's like uh, it backfires because it's not, you know. And also you you deal with pain, with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Physical exercise is good for you, and you know this um, because you teach people how to uh, exercise properly. But when you do it excessively, when you do it compulsively, it becomes uh, health. It's oh, not, you know, right. it's not good for your body anymore. And the thing is that the line between I'm doing exercise for my health and I'm doing exercise because I hate me, 
is like is so subtle like you can't really you know track it the market mm-hmm. and uh that's why basically i got injured um i have i have two serious like two se- severe um herniated discs mm-hmm. uh which basically prevented me from uh, moving properly for a very long time and uh, the thing is that um Uh, yeah even though i got injured so basically um let's um (laughs) wrap it up again (laughs) so basically i got injured and but when i got injured i was still i was still very very ill Mm -hmm. and so what does that mean let's say that um you're a drug addict and basically someone just um take that addiction, take the, take the drug addiction from you and you can't have that drug uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. So basically I was getting mad because I couldn't exercise, you know, because the people, like, sorry, not the people, the professionals uh, will tell me, you can't move anymore. You can't do exercise anymore. You can't work out anymore. And I was still strongly ill. At that point of my life, I was going mad because, um, yeah, basically my drug was taking me, yeah, people were um, maybe probably took me away from uh, my drug, my favorite drug. Mm -hmm. And from that point, my injury, uh, basically my life revolved around this injury and um, I wasn't able to focus on things except on my injury. So basically, I was scared of do of doing anything uh, that could affect my my injury, my back injury. And also, I I I, uh, I read from your experience that you experienced the same thing. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. you you really think that is um, that is your whole life that you're yeah. gonna be damned. How, how you say like yeah that you are condemned to uh, to hell with yeah. with this with this injury mm-hmm. and um so so basically and you i think you are um aware of the fact that having an eating disorder is also having a, a compulsive like obsessive compulsive behavior so basically when i so, so my mind was uh free of that compulsion to to exercise so now my mind was um uh, basically in 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 that moment my mind got stuffed with thoughts about my injury i don't know if it makes sense yeah like yeah so basically if my mind couldn't obsess over exercising my mind would obsess with oh my god i have an injury i can't do anything like I can, I have to be still, I have to, I can't move anymore. Right. And this basically um, ruled, did you say rule? Yeah, ruled my life. Yeah, like, you yeah, know? Dominate. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it dominated my life for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And until basically my recovery and, you know, right now I am sitting and I couldn't be sitting uh, like just a few years ago because... Yeah you know sitting is not good for your back and it's 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 right because it's not wrong but 
if you if your mind knows knows like and actually not just knows but like if your mind is dominated by the fact that your back gets hurt if it's if you're sat for a long time then you're actually your back will hurt mm -hmm. because your mind is connected with your body and that's where i learned about mind body connection and how powerful it is to uh how your mind basically mm -hmm. is basically has even more power than your body because you yeah. can tell yourself stuff to believe in mm -hmm. and and basically it's like your body believes them too you know yeah, yeah. oh absolutely there's i mean there's so much I've been writing notes as you're talking and I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I no, I, I mean, everything you said, I, I it's like I can completely relate to a much of what you said. And I think people listening will, too. And the one thing I just want to go back to is when you talked about when you had the back injury, how it was almost like a drug that was being stripped from you because you couldn't exercise to the extent. And I completely relate to that. I, I remember going through my chronic back pain and I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? And now I can't run. I can't exercise. I can't hike. I like, what am I going to do? Like, and you get like anxiety just for the sheer fact that you can't exercise. And it may seem crazy to somebody who hasn't experienced excessive exercise or, you know, obsession over exercise, but for someone who's lived with that, it is literally like every, anytime you can't do that, you like feel like you don't have your coping mechanism. And exactly. like, I'm sure you probably experienced this too, when you're excessively, excessively exercising, just decreasing it by one minute is a huge step. So oh when God. you say that you can like, when you take it away from somebody, it's like you lost your identity. You, you feel exactly. like, who am I? If I don't exercise compulsively, like, what do I do? Like it, you literally feel like you've lost your only comfort in life. Exactly. And so for your comparison of like literally comparing to a drug, it really is true. It's almost as if it is being removed from you like cold Turkey and it, it's very scary. And unfortunately what happens is that now you have that removed and now you're fearful of like what the repercussions are because now you can't exercise excessively. And now that fear perpetuates the pain cycle. Now you're in more pain. Now you can't move more. And then that continues to perpetuate and you get into this like vicious cycle of like pain and not being able to do what you want to do to cope with the eating disorder. And it's, it's awful. It's an awful cycle to be in. And it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no other way to put it. It's just an awful, awful thing to experience. Yeah, because actually it's like um, you want to be, you want to be like maybe, maybe like reassured mm -hmm. that your body is probably, okay, maybe you're going to go back to moving and exercising, mm -hmm. uh, but you, you will always need, I don't know if it's uh, relatable, but I would always need someone to tell me that I could go back to exercising because my mind will always go back to think, okay, you're never gonna exercise anymore. You're never gonna uh, be back, you know, doing even like yoga and Pilates mm -hmm. and Pilates. Um, there was, there, I, I will always need someone to reassure me because yeah those toxic thoughts will always come to my mind so it was a, a problem of how my mind would think it was not about um like the the thing it, itself i don't know if it's 
uh, if it makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's that catastrophizing thoughts that like it's exactly the worst case scenario. It's like, and that's that like very black and white like mentality that happens a lot of times with like an enosaur. It's like it's either good or it's bad. That's it. There's no gray. exactly. And it's exactly. Like, yeah, and and when you have any kind of injury, you think the worst case scenario, like oh, exercise is done for life. And unless you have somebody who's like been through it and has recovered and is in a better place to say, no, it's going to be okay. You'll be able to learn how to exercise in a healthy way. Like yeah. it's scary. Or like, am I ever going to, how can I ever incorporate this into my life without being obsessive about it and going down that path? Yeah, it's, exactly. And know. yeah. And, and what's interesting is that now I can do it in a healthy way. I can yeah. do Pilates. I can do yoga. Mm-hmm. I can have a walk without worrying about my back because my injury and my uh, my back my pain uh, um, basically is not the main thing that I think about uh, every day which yeah. I usually do which I usually uh, sorry uh, did in the past mm-hmm. so basically my uh, my injury would have the first place of my priorities uh, of of life basically right. um, and also you know it's um you can you can say the same for everything that's related to the eating disorder so you know counting calories um obsessively again exercise uh i don't know like even uh, yeah it all comes down to you your priorities and how they change uh because of your eating disorder uh and yeah my injury um, basically getting to the first place was still like a way of my eating disorder basically dominating me mm-hmm. because I was still mentally and strongly yeah mentally ill mm-hmm. so everything changed then when I started my recovery my recovery process which actually uh, began uh, the, uh, uh, one year ago in March two, 2021 mm-hmm. And, but I also have to say that uh, my addiction to uh, exercise, you know, was getting a little bit better because, um, you know, it was it, my, my, I got injured in 2019. So that means that throughout these years, I was able to kind of reestablish a good relationship with, um, uh, with exercising. Uh, but in general, I was in that phase of quasi recovery. Yeah, I think you know you know about this. Is if yeah, mm-hmm. because you, so you you had you made those steps, the little steps of uh, of the first stages of eating of an of an eating disorder recovery, but then you go don't go forward. You mm-hmm. you're stuck in yeah. that phase, and you want to be stuck in that phase because you don't want to actually get out of your comfort zone completely. Because uh, basically, recovering is about taking the leap into the unknown uh, because you are always you were always so um, focused on controlling and uh, making sure that everything was safe and un- under control that uh, that you were doing everything for the sake of your body being lean and losing losing weight right. and you know everything related to that and uh, when you lose that uh, let's say how do you, how do you can how do you can say like uh, when you lose this um, controlling pal <laughs> that is uh, inside your head um, basically it's like 
you let go of, of everything that uh, your eating disorder made you do. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you kind of let go of all of the, um, let's say, in, how do you say, like the, um, all of the things that your eating disorder told you to do and that you were even able to, um, let's say, understand that it was the eating disorder that was telling you. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah. And so... It was dominating your thoughts to control your behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't know if it, uh, yeah. if I explained it in a, in a right way, but, you know, my English, as I, as I told you before, is not my is not the best right now because you know when you have this uh complex thoughts to yeah uh, to, to sell is always so um complex to yeah to say this mm-hmm. but um so yeah basically everything changed when my when i uh, committed to recovery which also happened in a very specific moment of my life so basically i um there was a time uh, where I, um, so let's say once again, <laughs> once I graduated because uh, it didn't, came, didn't come out um, uh, of this conversation, but I graduated in veterinary medicine. So my actual doctor of veterinary medicine, I'm a vet. Um, so first of all, if like for the, the, the people who are listening, well, I, I don't want to be a vet anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I have committed to uh, become a vet and uh, I've done, you know, I've made such an effort to become a vet, but I understood that that path wasn't aligning with, with me. And I, wasn't, I was feeling completely disconnected with uh, what I was doing. And even though it sounds completely like uh, that it doesn't, that have nothing to do that has nothing to do with my recovery it actually has a lot to do with my recovery because if you have recovered from an eating disorder or you are you are recovering from an eating disorder you will understand that the person that was affected by that disorder wasn't you mm-hmm. you know that the eating disorder um, takes a lot from your identity and you don't know who you are anymore you will only know who you are after after recovering and um so this play this uh, awareness played a huge role in discovering that i uh want i didn't want to be a vet anymore um and this also comes from the fact that i was a perfectionist uh, an overachiever which are also like a lot of traits you know mm-hmm. of eating disorder sufferers um and this also you know impacted my uni life mm-hmm. i was the one that if if i got 29 out of 30 we mm-hmm. we have this mark kind of grades of uh, exams so it's out of 30 if i got 29 of th- out of 30 which is you know extremely good mm-hmm. i was not happy i wanted to 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 have the, that 30 and you know it it, it it's like a um yeah it's basically you are never happy enough of who you are 
of your achievements, of your goals, oh yeah, of, 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 of everything that you have able, that you have been able to, um, to reach, to, to achieve. Um, because you don't see yourself as you, as you who truly are, as you are, as, yeah, you always want more from yourself. And it's like, you never you feel know, good enough. Like no exactly. matter what you do, you're never good enough. Exactly. It's such a, yeah. it's such a empty place to feel like, because you can literally like, you know, get the best grades and then it's still not good enough. You can, you know, lose more weight in your eating disorder. It's never good enough. So no matter what you do, it's a losing prophecy. You're always going to be on the, op- the, the, the losing end of it when you have yeah. that reality. And it's, it's a really tough place to be because like, it just makes you feel just empty inside when you feel like no matter what I do, I'm never good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so basically I graduated in July and, um, and in that period, like I, I was, um, I was starting to lose myself because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be the, 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 the vet that I always wanted to be. And I say, what? wanted yeah. to be because I actually didn't know that I didn't want to be a vet mm-hmm. and um, so I stopped in that period I stopped from everything mm-hmm. and this is this also is uh, kind of goes against with uh, having an eating disorder because having an eating disorder means that you are always productive and doing something mm-hmm. and um, you you cannot stop because uh, otherwise it means that you are just um, you're not having profit for something, you know, like you are not, um, for example, if we're talking about an eating disorder, you are not losing weight. So, so, so you're, if you're not eating less, you're not losing weight. If you're not um, moving and exercising enough, you're not lean enough. You have not enough muscles. Um, yeah, it's always about, the outcome of what you do and not about like the 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 thing itself you know the yeah the process it's always about what you can get from that right so basically I yeah I decided to stop Mm -hmm. and I think that was the most necessary thing that I needed to do for myself because in that period I decided to um go for a volunteering ex- experience, mm-hmm. which basically I say that it, it saved my life. Mm-hmm. So I've been to South Africa for two months um, and this was the turning point of my recovery because I can tell you that five days after me coming back from, from this voluntary ex- experience, I decided to commit to recovery. Mm-hmm. And it was not like, it was not random. I like, I connected the, 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 the dots, like the points yeah. because uh, that experience taught me a lot because it basically pushed me in a totally new, different world mm-hmm. from my, you know, eating disorder world mm-hmm. inside my mind. Like it totally changed my priorities. It totally changed how I view the world because viewing like experiencing those, um, let's say, powerful and strong um, situations, because 
especially if you live in a little like a natural reserve where you are basically by yourself um, and the things that you basically the things that matter there are not like how you are like what your clothes are or like the makeup that you you know use but are like the water that maybe is not like there's no much there's no water anymore or maybe uh, I don't know like that the elephants have destroyed the pipes and you know so you know the priorities changed uh, totally so I could emerge myself in a totally new environment which I don't know maybe rewired my brain in a totally different way and this helped me with reaching new awareness about who I am, who I want to be, and what I want to pursue in my life, I understood that I was um, basically conducting the life of another person and that I wanted to grab my life once again. So, yeah, my, I wanted to be the master of my life. I didn't want to, I didn't want someone else even if it wasn't like physical, because it was inside my mind to um, dominate my life. I wanted to be, I wanted to be the master of my life. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it makes sense. Like find but, your authentic self and your your purpose. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just after five days, and I also have uh, a tattoo, of this date because it meant so much to me of when I started my recovery because the turning point was basically realizing that I um that I couldn't live this way anymore Mm -hmm. that that it was impossible and unsustainable to live with an eating disorder either an eating disorder or your life yeah they can't live together they can't live simultaneously or I mean, unless you want to live a miserable life, which you can do. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, for until that, the specific day that I uh, committed to recovery. Mm-hmm. And um, what did I gain from that miserable life? You right. know, I gained everything but um, like pride, not, not pride, sorry, but like happiness, mm-hmm. joy. Yeah, I. I started to really realize what life was about. And, um, and so I, yeah, I began this, this journey and it wasn't, you know, always uh, happy. Mm-hmm. It was painful at times. And you, I think you, you know better than me because you also treat people uh, who are, you know, doing this journey like I did. Mm-hmm. And but I can tell that it was the best decision that I've ever made in my life because it really helped me realign with myself. I know what I want now. I know that everything that I um, experienced in my life, basically, it was someone else, you know, like, Mm -hmm it wasn't me that I was doing those things. It was literally the sick side of me that was dominating my life. I'm sorry, I, did, I completely dominated this, <laughs> uh, this 
that. <laughs> no, there's there's so much you've said. I've, I've been writing notes as you go because I want to jump back to a few things because no, I, I love hearing your story because honestly, like there's, like I said, there's so many things I'm like, oh yes. Oh my gosh. I remember that. I remember that. Like <laughs> there's so many things you said, like, I'm like, I live that and I get it. Like, and I think for anyone who's lived with an eating disorder, you're like, yes. Oh my gosh. That's like, you're speaking my language, you know, because like you, unless you've been through, you don't really truly understand how much it does dominate your life. Like your every single thought it is like, you wake up and this is what you do. You go to bed. This is what you think about. Like, I mean, your mind is completely taken over by it and you sacrifice a lot, you know, unintentionally by just handing your life over to your eating disorder. So there's so many things that you said and, um, kind of going back, you were just saying something, but, um, what were you just saying? Oh, talking about, it's so interesting. You talk about how, like, when you were going through your eating disorder, like that person is like, it doesn't even feel like it was you. And mm-hmm. I, the last few people I've had on the podcast, everyone has almost said that same exact thing. It's almost like a stranger when you think about that person who was going through that. And then now yourself today. And it's like, you almost have to like shed that shell of who it was and you become yeah. your more authentic self. So I find it so interesting. Like there's, there's definitely been a theme that people have experienced. And I, I myself have experienced that too. Like I think about that girl, cause I was in my mid, you know, early to mid twenties when I was going through my eating disorder. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, it is truly like when you just, you know, discover what it is to feel like you're recovered and you go back to that. Like I have journals and I'm like, who is that person? Like, <laughs> like I feel so sorry for that girl. And it was, yeah. Me, you know? yeah, yeah. So exactly. I, I just think that's just amazing to like, that you've had that ability to kind of see yourself in a different light. And it's like, for anyone who's gone through an eating disorder, you can see things so much more objectively when mm-hmm. you're quote unquote on the other side of it, you know, like when you're going through it, you can't see what you should do because you're so ingrained and engrossed in what your eating disorder is taking from you. And, and at the time you don't even want to give it up because it's such a source of comfort, which is really tough too. Um, you talked about your pivotal, pivotal point. I, that again is, is when you were talking about it, you're like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. that I, I remember my moment too. I was sitting on the ground and I had just, it was just an awful moment, but it was almost an awful moment that became a beautiful moment because I exactly. had that thought too. And did you feel like when you had that, cause for me, I had it, but it wasn't like, okay, it's pivotal. And now I'm good. You know, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's not that, you know, it's like, when we talk about pivotal moments, it's like, okay, it's that one little ounce of like, okay, this is not going to be my story. And mm-hmm. then you figure out how to make your story different from that point. Did you experience that where you're like, okay, this is not how I'm going to do. Let me figure out how I can do it differently. I remember exactly what that point looked like because I was desperately crying in front of my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, because, yeah, my parents knew about this, but they weren't uh, aware enough of how deep and rooted that mechanism was and how it really affected my life uh, deeply because they just knew that I was fixated about food and about exercising but it's not about that it's about like a mental it's about it's a mental illness so it needs to be cured as a mental illness and it's not about um, the food that you're that you're eating uh, slash not eating or the exercising that you do but it's about the void 
the emptiness that you have inside and you're, you're trying to uh, basically, uh, how do you say, like uh, to, yeah, you, you're, you're trying to find a coping mechanism as an eating disorder is to not think about those bad emotions, those negative emotions that you, that you have and those, and because also maybe my parents didn't want to accept maybe that I was, that I was ill. And let's say that it, it also is uh, due to their um, neglecting, um, you know, behaviors towards me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they, I think they unconsciously, they didn't want to accept that they had a role in the development of my eating disorder. Yeah. Uh, because yeah because I think and I think that's uh, a very common uh, thing that parents do they kind of um, uh, they have this avoidance behavior of no 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 you're fine you're well like you're not you're not bad like uh, you're totally fine you don't have this yeah. because they didn't yeah they couldn't accept that uh, their their daughter had this um, that this really um yeah this mental illness because probably they weren't even like comfort comfortable with uh the word mental illness right. you know this such a huge you know statement like yeah, oh my god stigma around it exactly it decreases but yeah it definitely especially you know parent daughter role it has to be somewhat uncomfortable to to approach that yeah exactly and what so, you're, oh sorry. I'm sorry I would say what you're saying now it just brought me back to something you said earlier when you were talking about the thoughts you had kind of growing up and and a lot of the influences you had and those like subconscious thoughts that resonate in your head that you don't even mm. realize like that you can see more now but the messaging that you tell yourself and how that, that really, you know, that subconscious mind, your subconscious mind develops between the ages of zero and seven. So Mm. things that you've experienced that you don't even realize are impacting your life in such a profound way. They don't always come out until later on. And then you realize like, wow, I've been thinking about this and this is how I think about myself or behaviors, or, you know, you're meant to feel a certain way. And that's the story that keeps playing in your mind until you actually bring awareness to it. And yeah, some of the hardest things is just recognizing what am I telling myself and and questioning it, and that's the big thing because so many of us live our lives just this is this is how it is, and we don't even question it because this is what we were told. And you know, especially when you're a kid, you know, it's like authority figures or you know influences that you just take as like they know better than I do. Yeah, and, and I think it's only until you realize that you know, no, I know myself. And anyone knows me yeah and, and then you question some of those things that you were told and that's when you can start kind of opening up that dialogue even within yourself but yeah that, that was a I think a profound thing that you said as far as how like the impacts of what you went through when you were younger and how it kind of played a role in in what you went through as you yeah yeah I think um changing the self-narrative uh is like a, a such an impactful thing to do um and because really what what people tell what, what you've been told by you know even social media because yeah. we are not only like influenced by what our parents or our friends say but mm-hmm. also like social media 
want yeah. you actually they actually want that it's in their interest uh, that you are not happy with yourself because they want to sell products they want to sell uh, you know diet products beauty products and they they aim at you not feeling good enough beautiful enough because they actually want you to buy their stuff and when you become aware of all of this then that's the turning point of uh of all of your uh of your healing journey because um really i didn't know how society and beauty industries diet industries were um were having such an impact on me uh, until i read about it Mm -hmm. and i understood all of the mechanisms behind it because you know i've read um uh, the beauty beauty sick i don't know if you've heard about it the book yeah it's um i think i've left it yeah in milan because i live in milan i'm in my hometown now (laughs) so yeah so i <laughs> yeah, I, I left it there, and basically, the I I also recommend you uh, read it because it's such a beautiful book, and yeah. it it teaches you that the things that you think about yourself, you know, they they don't come from your own mind; they come from what social media and also like um, the world in general tells you as a woman, like like politically, socially, economically like women have uh, a different role as men have and but this role is you know not as positive because we also have to be the good mom uh, the, we also have to be the beautiful uh, you know um, employee that goes to the office and have you know makeup on and has the skirt and has and wears heels because she needs to be beautiful and um, or I don't know like you know a mom needs to be not 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 only a mom but also like a worker and the you know someone who cleans the room the house mm-hmm. and yeah it's like yeah, uh, so very you have to be perfect at all of them exactly it's not realistic you're a human you know but yeah it's almost like that perception of like we, we need to be machines like you exactly. need to do all this perfectly and it's just not realistic and and at the end of the day the only one sacrificing is yourself yeah you can't be there for everyone if you're not there for yourself exactly yeah, yeah. And, and when you're talking about all the, you know, like the social media, the products and everything, and they tell you that you're, you know, they, they pick out the negatives so that they can capitalize on that. And that really is goes down to the, the true wiring of our brains. And you talked about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about how you, you know, there could be a million positive things, but you'll focus on like that negative thing. And it's really, I'm sure a lot of people experience that. It's actually how our brains are wired to look at the negatives because the biggest thing our brain's trying to do is protect us. So yeah. things that are negative are threats to our system. So you're obviously going to pick out the threats that could compromise your protection of your system. So unless you make an active approach to rewiring your brain to not focus on all the negatives, then you're, you're going to continue down that path. And that's, that's the big thing is that we're working against a system that's trying to protect us and was primitively 
wired like this, but you know, our brain has evolved, but not to the extent that that doesn't become our focus. So it has to be like an active process of figuring out how you can replace those negative thoughts with things that actually serve you. And it's a tough process, but yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately is that there's so many things that are perpetuating that because there's a profitable market when you don't think positively about yourself. And, and that's a really tough thing to encounter. Yeah, also, I'd learned it uh, with my, um, because I also got treated for body dysmorphic disorder, Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, which has a lot to do with, you know, um, uh, obsessive compulsive disorders. And, uh, you know, it has a lot of uh, specific and uh, peculiar traits of many different mental illnesses. And one of the traits of this disorder is the mind misreading, which basically is related to the um, to the negative self-talk, because basically you think that everyone is thinking that you are like a not only a bad person, that maybe that you are fat, as mm-hmm. you know, we are talking about you know, the eating disorders, mm-hmm. uh, or that basically everyone is looking at your legs. So I don't know, maybe uh, you are walking down the street and people are around you and, you know, their eyes really went to the, went to your legs or to your arms or, or to your face. And you automatically think that they are thinking uh, negatively of you. And but I've I've learned to question these thoughts, like to what if they are thinking what, a, what like what a beautiful legs, you know, or like in or like in general, they are just looking at you because you are in in their like eye eye space how you say like you you are just in front of them and they just look at you because yeah you are in front of them they are not judging you so Mm -hmm. all of this is you know a lot of awareness because you think oh well you're not wrong like actually I could just be you know in front of them and they are not even judging me because they are not even seeing me they're just looking at me which is different yeah. and so yeah you always need to question uh what would you think about yourself and what even what others can think about yourself because you can never know like you can't read mind that's why mind misreading mm-hmm. so yeah that's also like a very interesting thing to learn Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, you filter out your environment as to what's reality for you. So if you're always thinking these negative thoughts about yourself, you're essentially going to filter out everything around you to have those same negative thoughts about yourself. And it's, it's, again, just comes down to the wiring of the brain. There's a, a structure of the brain called the reticular activating system. Yeah. And when you set those intentions, like, so if you're thinking negatively, then you're going to filter out the world to see more negative versus if you see more, if you think more positively or, or at least, you know, not that like you want to just, everything's positive, everything great has to be authentic. But when you are able to question some of those negative thoughts and start seeing the world in a different way, then now your brain actually starts to filter out things that are going to be more congruent with that. And that's, that's a beautiful thing of it. And it's like, um, you know, talking about like, you know, gratitude. And, and I think sometimes gratitude gets this like, woo woo. okay, I'll just be mm. grateful, you know, but it truly has a science-based purpose of it is like when you're grateful for the things you have, no matter how small they are, when you're grateful for it, you are setting your brain up to focus on that. And then now your brain starts filtering out 
its ability to see more things that you should be grateful for, that you can be grateful for. And then it starts sending you things that will serve you in a better way. But Absolutely. like, that's the whole thing is like using your brain to its advantage. And I think sometimes too, like um, I felt like this, I don't know if you felt like this with your eating disorder, but I almost pictured, I almost viewed myself as my own worst enemy. Like my mm-hmm. brain, I was like, I like hated the way I thought I knew it was wrong, but yeah, it was like, I kept going back to the same ways. And it's, it's like when we view our system as actually serving us and that it is like advocating for us and trying to protect us and it's not our enemy and how can we work together to live a beautiful life versus like yeah. fighting against these thoughts. Like that's when things can start changing. But if we're fighting against the thoughts and like giving, you know, coming down on ourselves, like if you have a negative thought and you're like, oh, I'm so, why did I think that I'm such an idiot? Why do I think that? And then yeah. You- pile on one negative thing after another, you're literally just creating a a deeper pathway for you to think more negatively. Yeah. There's no growth in going against yourself, even though you're trying to get better at this. If you're, if you're um, always telling yourself, oh, you shouldn't be thinking that, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. It's basically, it's counterproductive. You are, um, how do you say, like you're fueling the same system Mm -hmm. that you are trying to go against. So it's, you know, there's no escape from that. You need to, you feel really, it's not about like just being spiritual and Christian, whatever. It's, it's really about accepting who you are because um, acceptance from acceptance comes growth because Mm -hmm. you actually learn that you can um, change yourself without actually going against yourself which is also something that I've learned in this book that I'm reading which is uh, the laws of human nature uh, by uh, Robert Greene which I recommend you and uh, it's it's so amazing because it actually um, talks about talks about what what we have uh, just talked about so like the attitude of um, like towards the world and how you interpret things because if you interpret things negatively then you will always interpret uh, everything that happened to you uh, negatively so like I don't know like there's a lot of traffic and you are stuck in the traffic Mm -hmm. and you will think about uh, like all of the negative uh, outcome that is that you know obviously comes from being in the traffic but if you you can't control this and you know it's mm-hmm. um um all of the all of the things related to the controlling uh, behavior of, of of the eating disorder um you know is related to this but also i think like every everyone uh, would like to be in control of things and when we let go of this control then we understand that we are we are not omnipotent we are not uh, capable of uh, controlling things we are not able to uh, change the things that are not changeable like mm-hmm. the traffic like the weather like people's opinions like yeah. people's how people react to you how people um like people's emotions you can't control those stuff what you can control is how you interpret those things and how you can uh maybe yeah, maybe change your attitude, but always in a very positive way and not, you know, going against your yourself, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like, you just hit on such an important point there and that 
we can't control the external environment. And there's always going to be stressors. No matter what you do, there you will be, somebody will say something that will rub you the wrong way. There will be a situation at work or whatever that will make you feel stressed. But what we can do is control the internal environment. And it's almost like if you think about your refrigerator, your refrigerator yeah. is at a temperature and it stays at that temperature, it's regulated. And your food stays the same temperature inside, no matter what the environment is outside. It could be a 90 degree day, it could be a 30 degree day, but your, your refrigerator is staying at whatever temperature it's set at. And that's what we need to do too, is that we need to realize that we have to keep our internal environment steady and regulated where it can be flexible to whatever's going on outside, but it goes back to that preset. And, yeah. and that's the big thing is that, again, if we go out uh, and try to stop everything, control everything and stop the stressors, we're only going to be fighting a battle that's, that's a losing battle. But the thing we can control is keeping our internal environment steady and and able to adjust to what's going on in the external yeah. environment. And that's why I think recovering from eating disorder is uh, hard because basically you have learned to um, do your own journey, like aside everything else, mm -hmm. you know, you are just you and yourself Yeah. and you are not exposed to the world because you actually understood that uh, only by being isolated and with yourself, you could, um, basically make your eating disorder alive you mm. wanted to keep your eating disorder alive because you want to uh, you know keep uh, your eating and uh, exercise behaviors you know you want to keep them you want to save them you want to make sure that your life is not uh, damaged mm -hmm. you know by anything else you want to be in control of that bubble you know that you have that you are into uh, so that's why when you actually step into the world, it is so difficult because you are not used to um, being in a in a changeable um, and always so um, how do you say like yeah in a in a very changeable environment variable like, yeah variable like, yeah exactly so yeah. because you are not you have you don't have the tools mm -hmm. to basically adapt that's the word yeah, to adapt absolutely. to those situations uh you created this fake world of of uh self-control of uh being absorbed self-absorbed mm -hmm. and uh as soon as you get out of this zone you, mm -hmm. you freak out mm -hmm. and that's why the first stages of your eating disorders of your eating disorder recovery are so important because you really need to make sure to have a balance between uh, the comfort zone and the um, growth and the fear zone without yeah. getting to the panic zone because it can really like you know messes up with your recovery if you're not uh, if you're not careful enough to really make the, the the right steps towards recovery without you know bumping into um, into you know like a completely new zone which you are basically scared already scared of so imagine it if this um if this fear was you know like uh hundred percent you know enhanced you know what i mean like yeah. you need to be careful to do these small steps when you are recovering because you could be overwhelmed and you can take you can take even um uh, like a lot of steps back right. to 
to come back to your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the thing is like with eating disorders, your comfort zone is your eating disorder. So it's like, you have to expect that there is going to be some discomfort in that because for your nervous system, again, it's trying to protect you and that's comfortable and that's safe, you know, quote, quote, safe, you know, for yes. Um, so when you try to change that, it's your system starts viewing that as a risky behavior, even though it's yeah. actually going to serve you in the long run, it's viewed as this is a threat to our system. So everything feels uncomfortable about it, but yeah. any, any growth worthwhile and any change worthwhile is going to feel uncomfortable. So it's, if you're, when you're going through that, recognizing that this is normal to feel uncomfortable, that that's a huge progress right there. But like what you talked about, it has, you have to go at a pace that it's right for you, because if you do try to make so many changes too quickly, it, it doesn't always work in the best way because it's, it's too much. And then you, you're yes. going to want to get back to your comfort zone. So it's, yeah. it's important even more so to be in tune with yourself, which again, I don't know if you notice this with like your eating disorder, it's, it's sometimes really hard to be in tune with what your needs are because you're almost like numbed to what you feel like you're, you, you don't even know what is right for you because you're so like removed from what you yes. are. So it can yeah. be really challenging because of that, where you don't even know yourself well enough because you've kind of numbed it down with the eating disorder for yeah. so long. So it's, it's a process. Yeah. And that's also like, what's really interesting about it, like both uh, really um, scary, but at the same time, so interesting. And what's also interesting is that, for example, when I started my self-discovery journey also, because, you know, it's basically they go in parallel Mm-hmm. Um, I started to discover this musical taste, this different musical taste that I have mm-hmm. towards, uh, for example, rock music and yeah. metal music. And I was like, oh, like, am I really like, do I really like this? Like, how, how did I didn't like, like this mm-hmm. music before? Yeah. Because I was actually... I was so focused on my eating behaviors, of my exercise routines, of uh, everything related to being perfect, to being this, to being that, that I w- I didn't even know what my musical tastes were. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I really started to listen to those, uh, even like jazz music. And this is, you know, it is not like a superficial uh, thing to, to think about because it really mm, shows... Um, how you were manipulated by this uh, eating disorder. Because if if you realize that you actually love rock music and uh, as I said before, metal music, it it, it didn't come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It it was actually within you, but you weren't able to find it because you were repressing all of your uh, desires, all of your uh, passions, all of your hobbies. Because, yeah, so basically also one thing that I like to say is that when you, when you recover, when you recover, you basically discover your authentic self, which is already within you. So it is not that you change, you know, you don't change, you actually discover yourself. So it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting discovery because you really understand that, mm, Maybe also the fact that you um, maybe were a lot, you were so angry and you uh, had this, um, um, you, ha- you had the tendency to react 
in a very excessive way, uh, in a very angry way. This means that there's a lot of energy in you. Um, like um, instead of, you know, maybe you know about this, uh, about people who have an eating disorder who maybe are very, very low in, the, in their state. And uh, so maybe they have a more introvert, you know, energy inside and they could be uh, basically, let's say, develop interests in reading books or like, I don't know, journaling. I don't know if it makes sense, but, you know, you have you have different energy. Everyone has yeah. a different energy and maybe uh, repressing these will, you know, come out differently as you have an eating disorder. So yeah. I have those I have this energy. Uh, that came out as anger and always, you know, yelling at people. But actually, it's because I really have a lot of energy inside that wanted to, you know, spread yeah, in some way. It's yeah. like when you, you know, uh, mix up soda and then you let the cap off, it kind of just like comes out because it's been compressed and yeah, compressed <laughs> and then it just like lets itself out and you're like, oh, wow, that's, there's a lot more energy that's been underneath. And, and kind of when you're talking to you, it's like, I, I don't know if you ex- feel like this, but it's almost like the eating disorder is like dense fog. It, if, mm. if you were walking and you can't really see much in front of you, you just keep on walking and there's a beautiful scene that you can see. And then the sun comes out and the fog kind of dissipates and that's, that's your authentic self, but you never really saw that scene until you allow the sunshine to come in. And yeah. that's, that's really what uh, if you can relate, that's what I felt like. It was just like, I didn't really know who I was. I was just going through the motions of life and I couldn't even see what there was about me until I kind of allowed the sunshine to come in and allow the the change to happen. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing how much you don't know about yourself until you start realizing that there's more to find out because you're yeah. so used to going through the motions of living like that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We talked about uh, a lot, like uh, so we different did. things. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so many dimensions to it because it, it impacts your entire life. And it's, yeah. it's such a profound thing. And it's like, and for people who are going through it or have gone through it, it, you, you understand how much this impacts you and you understand how many dimensions there are. And, and the big thing, you know, you can, people can read about in books, but until you know what it's like to be in that mindset and have these thoughts day in and day out, and to feel like you're not even living, you're just watching your life pass by. And, mm-hmm. you know, even just after you're kind of out of eating disorder, like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I had a lot of like regret for a while because I, you know, went through college, didn't have a lot of friends. Cause all I did was like, you know, go through my eating disorder. And then even after college, like, you know, I missed out on like family activities, missed out on social things, missed out on, you know, quote unquote, the best years of your life, because I was so encompassed by my eating disorder. And that's a recovery in itself, just going through those regrets of like, okay, that's, that's time. That time is gone. You know, I can't get it back. And how can I move forward and live my life in the fullest way now? And it's it there's just so many stages to it it's yes there's so much to talk about yeah I I absolutely like uh see all of your uh of what you've gone through because actually there was a phase of anger towards myself because I yeah I basically regretted not um being present 
in specific moments of my life of uh, basically living my life to the fullest uh, because I was so absorbed with my eating disorder. Uh, but I and I also had a lot of anger towards the people that maybe have contributed to my eating disorder. But then you actually understand there's uh, that maybe it, it, it is not even their fault because maybe it basically the issues also come from their past mm -hmm. and you cannot blame um, them for this mm -hmm. um, this you you can just accept that like that where you are now and what you can do for the future like for yeah. your future self and the steps that you uh, want to take from now so mm -hmm. you you can reflect and you can you know be sad about not having done that thing, not uh, joining uh, your friends, doing something, because we know that eating disorders always like uh, keep you in this bubble and you don't do things, basically. You want to be, iso the, you know, yeah. uh, the most isolated that you can be uh, because you, you want to be safe in your comfort zone, as we said before. Uh, but then when, when something clicks in your mind and you start recovering and everything else, you really uh, regret not having done those things. Yeah. But the best thing that you can do is simply uh, look uh, forward, like to just think about, th think about all of the things that you can do by now. And yeah, because life, life is, is long and you can uh, feel your life as much as you want with the things that you love there's no one that is uh, stopping you from this the only one that is stopping you from this is you and that is also comprehensible because um, you definitely are um, you know a little bit more fearful and uh, scared if you've lived for if you lived with an eating disorder for a very long time because fear and anxiety and worriness is basically wired in your brain like your brain is trained to feel fear and anxiety even before things happen yes. so it's about rewiring your brain as your yeah. re rewiring health uh, as your yeah. podcast says yeah. so yeah because basically you really need to um uh, change the synapse synapses do you say synapses yeah mm -hmm. yep. yeah in in your brain to um yeah to to live the the life that you want to live uh, because you need to change your your attitude uh towards yeah towards life mm -hmm. yeah beautifully said everything you just said there and it really is comes down to figuring out that you're the creator of your life and you can mm -hmm make choices and decide where your life wants to go and, and have that ability. And, and you have the power to change whatever your reality is. That's always able to change through your, your brain. And that's always capable of rewiring. So there's a lot of beauty to that and, and just yeah. take steps towards, towards doing that. So yeah, for anyone who wanted to connect with you, where can they find you and how can they connect with you? So I have an Instagram page, which is uh, at uh, here with Martina. Uh, so I am, yeah, I'm posting everything related to my eating disorder, my recovery, uh, my, also my uh, hope, I hope my future career as a coach, because uh, I actually want to attend a course uh, 
for becoming a somatic coach, which is basically a coach that helps you to uh, work with your body, with uh, breath work um, and a lot of, uh, you know, exercises to reconnect and realign with your body and your spirit. And uh, yes, because I think from my background story and my past traumas, I've learned a lot and I really want to, you know, be of help, of any help for the people who maybe are struggling with the same things that I, uh, that I did. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's my page. I hope you, uh, you're gonna have a look. Maybe yeah. and if you if you like it, maybe you can follow me, and I don't know, like <laughs> just chat with me also. Like you don't need, you don't have to follow me. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll put the link to all your contacts in the show notes for anyone who's listening, so that way you can definitely connect with Martina and and follow her story because just what you shared today, and I've I've seen a lot of what you post on Facebook. It's very inspiring. So yeah, thank, thank you for you. your story because it's. It really is. And I, I, the thing is about eating disorders is that a lot of times we're so feel like alone in it. So it's like when, when you are brave enough to share your story, it really is so therapeutic for people to realize that what you're going through is not just you. There's a lot of people who understand what you're going through and you're never alone with it. So, so thank you for sharing your story. It's very inspirational and, and everyone definitely make sure you, you know, contact or follow Martina and definitely uh, (laughs) contact with her. And like I said, I'll share that in the show notes, but thank you so much for, for joining me. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could talk for days about this. <laughs> so many layers to it, but I, I genuinely appreciate you sharing your story and, and being brave enough to do that. And, and hopefully it'll inspire somebody to make those little changes that make all the difference. So thank yeah, you. I loved chatting with you. It was um, such a beautiful experience to, you know, uh, yeah, to talk about this and in even a, like a very conversational way we jumped from a topic to another so it was very very fun and interesting oh, so yeah yeah well thank you again I really appreciate you being on here and and thank you and for anyone who um, is listening make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast and definitely leave any questions or comments you have for us we would be more than happy to answer those for you and and uh, connect with us so um, you can just continue the journey so thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rewiring Health. To get updates on new episodes on this channel, please subscribe. And to support the channel, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review and rate it.